Hi, I'm Jen, and today I'm gardening out loud. It is Sunday, July 2nd. It's about 7.30 in the morning. This may be one of the only breaks from the rain that we have all day. And it is humid and smells like rain. But I'm still really glad to be in the garden. I just noticed the first poppies have bloomed and that's thrilling. I'm growing some Shirley poppies. There are many different kinds of poppies and she is so delicate. Like she's wearing a kind of shimmery plum skirt. So delicate and gorgeous and I've never grown ones exactly this color before. The poppies I planted in a kind of marginal area this year in amongst the irises where they didn't really have a lot of room, but enough of them have taken hold that I'm going to have a small number and I can see other ones getting ready to open with their little spiky bud starting to reach up, which always like looks a little bit to me like that the monster in Little Shop of Horrors, you know, and then it opens its maha wide and you have this unbelievably delicate, beautiful thing. And uh, wow, I'm just so thrilled that's happening. And there are so many things happening in the garden. I didn't record in the end last week, or rather I did record, but it went terribly audio wise. So I didn't share it with you. So we're a little behind and there's scabiosa blooming and the bachelor's buttons are going wild and even the new rose the generous gardener is making her first blooms which is very exciting these beautiful shell pink clusters the echinops those little spiky ball flowers they are as tall as me they're in their prime i'm going to start harvesting them and putting them in bouquets the garden smells like milkweed blossoms, which are so sweet smelling. Oh, I was just smelling one and a bee was working there. One of the pollinator experts in our neighborhood pointed out to me that sometimes the bees, the honeybees, their little feet get stuck on the milkweed. They didn't co-evolve with the milkweed. So they're drawn in by this wonderful scent and they sometimes get a little stuck. So I'm going to watch for that. The meadow root is just frothing with its wonderful little explosions of flower. A meadow root reminds me of fireworks and flower form. I mean, so do the alliums, but it's that same sphere of flower exploding in all directions and oof, it's so lovely. So, so many things happen. Oh, I found I found a little foxglove I forgot I planted who's blooming. What a gift from my past self. These are the things that happened if you are a sometimes shoddy labeler is that sometimes you have surprises in the future. So there's so many things happening. Oh my gosh, the garden is just a riot. Oh, the snapdragons are blooming. Oh, I'm going to have to cut some for a bouquet before it rains. These are my favorite snatch. Oh, they're 
perfect right now. These are called Costa Silver. They are whitish with pale pink accents and then just like a little yellow right in the center around the mouth of the dragon. And oh, they are so perfect for floral arrangements. And I'm just obsessed with them. This is the best. I harvest them all year long, but this is the best they'll ever be right now. I find the first harvest, you get the biggest, strongest blooms and oh, they are stunning. But I don't want to talk about flowers today. That wasn't my intention. That's the thing about flowers. They tend to be rather distracting. <laughs> I think that's how I grow so many of them now. But today I want to talk about berries because that's what I talked about last week. Because we are in prime berry season. So the first thing to address is the mystery of the service berry that I mentioned. Why did I only get about four service berries this year? And I put that question to the wise folks in the Toronto Gardeners Facebook group. And if you don't, by the way, if you're a gardener and you don't belong to a local Facebook group for your region, it is so useful to check in with people who are growing in similar regions under similar conditions. And for everything from plant sales down to bloom times to when people are planting things to when they're harvesting things, it's so immensely useful. And this group in particular has just a wealth of knowledge and wisdom. And all through my gardening journey or through most of it, I guess, I've had the benefit of learning from them. I asked them, are other people having this problem with their service berries? And the answer was pretty much yes. Most people or a lot of people were having lower fruit yields or no fruit yields. And the hypothesis or the theory is that it is because of that hot spell we had in the spring, which probably caused the blossoms to drop before they were pollinated, thus no fruit. Whereas if you had a service berry that bloomed a little later after that hot spell, you could have gotten fruit. So that's the assumption we're operating under. And that's something that we're going to come up against more often in the future as we have wilder temperature swings that are unseasonal. And so disappointing, but also nice to know that it wasn't just my tree. I'm not, I'm not doing anything wrong. And, and that's it. In gardening sometimes, sometimes it is truly out of your hands. So I said it's berry season, but it's not just about service berries. I grow, I think, eight different kinds of berries in this garden. Ooh, the sparrows are getting all worked up because there was a squirrel in their tree. Anyway, okay, I grow the service berries or, or Saskatoon berries, as you might know them. I, I've mentioned strawberries in the past, both a wild and regular yield is no more than a handful a year. This is fine. I also grow gooseberries, although they've yet to fruit. I have put them in a spot that is at somewhat of a disadvantage as it's under 
the massive Manitoba maples, but I wanted to see if they could work in a kind of food forest arrangement, which is to say layers of food and gooseberries can handle some shade. So I thought I'd see, but it might be too much shade. We'll see. It's not unusual for it not to have fruited. It's only in its second year here, but I'm monitoring it. I'm considering other options. We shall see. I also have in the same food forest area, Hascap berries. These are a native berry. They are tart and kind of oblong, but the color of a blueberry. These guys also did not fruit this year, but again, that's not uncommon. They're still kind of baby plants. They're only settling in. Hascap berries, like blueberries, you need two different varieties for them to fruit well. And so I actually have two different cultivars. And that is the same with blueberries. Again, you need two different cultivars that bloom at the same time. So that is a trick that tripped me up in the beginning because I had bought two different kinds, but one was a kind of early season bloomer and one was a later season bloomer. And you need those flowers out at the same time so they can cross pollinate. And so I, had, I got another one. That being said, in my garden here, it's not a good blueberry growing environment. The soil is not acidic at all. It is on the basic side. I know this from getting a lab soil test. And so I was making do with kind of lowish, underwhelming crops. Then I moved one to a large pot and I attempted to make the soil more acidic. And that is going great this year. This is I think, its third year in the pot. It overwinters outside in the pot. And it's a terracotta pot, so I cover it up as much as I can so it doesn't get too much moisture in it and freeze and crack. Anyway, this blueberry has an amazing amount of fruit this year, and I am so very happy with it. This is the biggest blueberry harvest I've ever had from this potted blueberry, from any blueberry. So obviously this strategy is starting to pay off. I just needed it to develop some new healthy canes in the pot. And I think that's why we have a good amount of fruit now. So thrilled about that. Blueberries, it's another kind of berry. We also have raspberries. Mainly some red raspberries, some summer fruiting red raspberries. These are ones dug up on a farm that my parents owned. And when they sold it, some of the bushes were transported here and tossed in the ground. And that shows you how vigorous raspberries are, that you don't have to be very precious about them. They are, they want to grow, as Sarah Joy mentioned in her, starting with five canes and ending up with a thicket. Here, they have also created a sort of thicket and they will put up new canes every year. Some of them will plant from seed. Oh my goodness. What? This is so funny. I just spotted a little ginkgo seedling at the front of my raspberry patch here. So there's another little tree that wants to join my forest I have here. Well, I'll dress him later. I learned recently, though, that this is the oldest tree that we still have with us. I had thought it was the magnolia, but the New Yorker, I think, was talking about the ginkgo being the oldest tree. Anyway, we have this big raspberry thicket, and it is producing abundantly. I harvest it every day. 
got about half a pint of raspberries every day. Some of them are very small, which is partially because I don't think these were ever a fancy cultivar made for big beefy berries. And also because some of them are growing on pretty old canes. Ideally, the cane grows one year on this kind of raspberries and fruits the next year, and then you can cut it off. But in the fall, sometimes I, I get conservative. So I cut back the really gray, brittle old ones that clearly aren't going to do much. But then I get a little soft when I see the other canes because I know they will fruit again. But this year really reminded me that those fruits are pretty small and that it might be better to clear room for the newer growth. I also bought, I think I mentioned, fall fruiting raspberry, which is a golden raspberry. And it's currently growing in a peach basket now. Large, large peach basket. And we'll see what happens with her. So another kind of berry. And then we have the mighty mulberry. Book Memories showed me a picture of my first season growing in this garden. It was but a baby gardener. And I'd always said that this this tree was not present when I started gardening here, but it turns out that might not be true. And I could see in the background a little wisp of a mulberry tree. More than a seedling, but you know, something that was maybe three feet tall, a tree that you might ignore and not suspect in 12 years was going to turn into something that is over four stories tall, that has a crown that is at least 15 meters wide, probably more, a massive tree. But I like to say that this mulberry tree snuck up on us because it really did. We, we didn't know what a mulberry tree was. We didn't know to pay attention to that then. And at this time I was gardening with my best friend who lived downstairs. And these are some formative times in our friendship. There is nothing to facilitate a conversation like gardening. We were in our 20s, we were going through a lot. You know, this is a time of big upheavals and decisions and uncertainty. And we talked out a, a lot of things in this garden where you don't have to make eye contact. You don't have to keep the conversation always going. You can just let it flow. And I think if it weren't for the garden, then our friendship wouldn't be what it was. And when I think of this mulberry tree, I always think of her because, you know, we grew in this garden, we were growing vegetables and this tree got the jump on us <laughs> and we were kind of baffled by it. And then one year it started making berries and we thought, can we eat these berries? What are these berries? We researched it and we discovered, yes, <laughs> that mulberry bush is a misnomer, at least in this region, and that we could eat them. And so 
we started doing that. And one of my most tender memories of my friend is she was standing on a chair, very pregnant. So as I said, this is a time of life when lots of big things happened. And picking mulberries and putting them in a jar that was resting on her belly. And she's moved away. She moved away about six years ago. And that's hard. It's really hard. We went from living in the same home to her being in another country. And so that's tough. But the mulberry tree, if it is a metaphor for our friendship, <laughs> has indeed flourished. And the mulberry is a challenge because it's created a lot of shade. Also, if anyone knows mulberry trees, they drop a lot of fruit. That's why you see the sidewalks kind of all stained purple. It attracts a lot of animals, which is both wonderful and occasionally annoying. But basically, this tree is so massive that the birds harvest berries. Right now, there's a squirrel running along the branches up there, rustling around, harvesting them. If you're here in the evening, we see the year's raccoon family. So it's always a parent and some cubs climbing down the branches in the branch, slowly bending under their weight. And then they climb back up and eat their way back up. So it is a real hot spot. And the other week I shared Robin Wall Kimmer's essay on the service berry as an economy of abundance. And if you did not listen to it, by all means, just stop everything and listen to it or read it because it is so wonderful and wise. But I would put forth the mulberry as also an economy of abundance because it just generates so much food for me, for the more than human residents of this community. I have shared buckets with neighbors. Sarah Joy and her daughter came earlier this week and harvested a bunch. There is more than one could ever hope to eat themselves. So I would never plant a mulberry because you will be fighting the proliferation of that mulberry forever. You will end up with a mulberry forest in no time. But it's here. It was a gift. And so I do what I can with it, which is to say harvest as many berries as I can and share them. And... How do you help harvest mulberries, you might say? Well, if you were going by the method that I mentioned of like picking them off by hand, it's very slow. So that's not necessarily what I recommend. What I do is I put down a tarp and I get a chair because my tree is very big. And a cultivator tool, this is like one of those long handled garden tools that has a little claw on the end. And I will stand on the chair. You can also use a rake. You can use whatever you have. And reach up and hook the branches and shake them until many fall down on my tarp. 
And then you just gather the tarp and pick out any bits of detritus and unripe berries and bring them in. Mostly though, you will get ripe berries. The berries generally don't fall off until they're totally ripe. So should we do it? We'll have a little, little radio lab sonic moment here. Okay, up I go. And I'm gonna reach. I hope you can hear that rain of berries. And I harvested this just last night. So this is truly just an overnight ripening that has happened. And I will do another shake, another location on this tree. And I will end up with probably about three liters of berries every day. And I wash them and I freeze a lot of them for smoothies mostly, but you can also put them in like crumbles or other things that you might do. On their own, the mulberry is an okay berry. It is sweet, but it's seedy and, they, and the little stems tend to stay on them. So, and they also deteriorate fast, which is I think part of the reason we don't tend to see them for sale is they would never travel. But they're a good filler berry. In, in my books for baking, for smoothies, for this kind of thing. Another one just fell down. They're always falling down. It's a constant rain. So if you have a mulberry tree and you haven't given it a shake, I recommend trying it. Get yourself a tarp, yourself a reaching device. Or if you have one and you have no interest in this, I recommend reaching out to a group. If there's a fruit picking group in your area, they may come harvest it for you. And generally in Toronto, at least the pickers take one third, they give one third to a community group and then one third goes to the homeowner. So you actually get your berries harvested for you. And again, share this amazing abundance. So this will go on for a couple more weeks where I will try to harvest almost every day and freeze and sock away or give away and keep harvesting the raspberries too. This is a time where I'm getting all my antioxidants courtesy of the garden. Okay. I think that's enough for this week. Wishing you a week that is filled with surprising abundance. And I will talk to you next week. <laughs>